Turtle Boy podcast is brought to you by Big Tim's Funny Books on Patreon. Get on the ground level with exclusive first looks and behind-the-scenes previews for the upcoming Gorilla My Dreams comic by Armand Rafat and Big Tim. Head over to www.patreon.com slash Big Tim and for as little as $1 a month, you too can get in on the ground zero with a number of pledge levels and exclusive rewards to suit any budget. With your help, Big Tim can keep making funny books and you can get some pretty cool rewards. www.patreon.com slash Big Tim. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of Turtle Boy Podcast. I'm Big Tim. I'm Little Nate. Okay, and we've got a very special episode here tonight. Um, We've got two very special guests who's going to talk with us. Um, Scare us a bit. Yeah, going to be a bit spooky and whatnot. Um, But before I even introduce them, I'm going to tell you we're set up. If you can hear a little bit of wind... We're actually outside in the freezing cold. We're in the... This is the Riverside Cemetery? Yeah. I I always knew it as the Queanbeyan Cemetery, but this is the Riverside Cemetery. And um, special guests tonight... Yeah, in Queanbeyan. Well, I wouldn't have said it's the fucking Queanbeyan Cemetery if it wasn't in Queanbeyan. Yeah, all right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Nicole and Alex, this is what you can expect from tonight. Um, so, yeah, but we special guests tonight, Nicole overall and Alex overall. Now, Nicole is the mistress of the macabre in nice. Queanbeyan here. She runs these ghost tours of the town, and um, she takes people all around town, takes us to the, to the haunted uh, locations, tells us the stories, the true stories, because... With me and Nafe growing up in Queanbeyan, we, we know all the stories, but we don't know the truth behind the stories, you know. We, we, we know, we, we always heard the story about half the graveyard being washed away in a flood. You know, we know the stories about the air disaster mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. But Nicole has done the research. She knows the truth behind the stories and whatnot. So, welcome, Nicole. How are you doing? Thank you, Big Tim. I'm doing well, except, uh, you know slightly freezing here if we get hypothermia by the end of this and they find our little skeletons in the morning well i'm sure that that'll make for a great podcast but great to be here i'm sure in the some, middle of winter yeah some idiot called tim thought it would be great to this go be out a great idea i mean it would be a great idea if it was like six months from now definitely and alex second how are you doing huh what? second last day of winter yeah yeah um day before my birthday <clears throat> anyway um alex how are you doing man yeah i'm not too bad um bit of fresh air never really hurt anyone yeah it's so, uh you know in other words you old guys stop your bitching a moment yeah. <laughs> that's why i do it i reckon yeah cool okay so close interrupt speaking of your birthday man happy birthday oh birthday present most appropriate for tonight yeah we've got no light in at all so we've you got... can't see what it is okay i'm yeah, using i'm using the light off the laptop let's have a look here Oh, 
Oh, nice. It looks like a Cthulhu balaclava. It is. Oh, that's beautiful. I don't know if it's big enough for your big head. I thought it was that dude from... Zoidberg? Yeah. Futurama. Awesome. Well, I've already got my Squilliam's beanie on. Which is this octopus? It's it's a one of a kind octopus knitted beanie. It keeps my head very warm. But I will wear. I will use that. I'll use that for my morning jogs. We might use <laughs> nice. it on our feet, you know, in the <laughs> yeah. while we're trying to warm up here. That's right. Um, so where was I before you rudely interrupted with gifts and I, I can interrupt again if you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go. I told my kid we were coming to the graveyard to talk ghost stories. Right. So he went and got his Ghostbusters trap. Oh, okay. Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Good. So good. just in case. Just in case ghosts come along, we are prepared. We'll definitely have to get some photos of that as well. A little Slimer. <laughs> Boo off Mario. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's crazy because, like, it's so dark. There's literally no light here, so we can't even see what we're looking at. you Okay, so I thought what I will do is I will start by telling you guys about the story of the time I saw an alien. Nice. Yeah, right? excellent. That's yeah, great, that's because good. that sounds very ghostly. It's like well, you it's know, totally it's all ghosts. If it's not ghosts, it's aliens. You know what I mean? Or maybe alien ghosts. <laughs> or ghosts aliens. But, um, yeah, look, it's all paranormal, isn't it? Okay. Good enough? Okay, good enough Unexplained. for me. Unexplained, <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, but this one does have an explanation. We call this the Q-Files. This is, this yeah. is the Q-Files yeah. episode nice. of uh, Turtle Boy Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I could remember the X-Files theme, I would whistle it, but I can't remember it. Um, so I used to drive trucks all around the state. We were, we were set up... The, um, the depot's actually over in uh, off Yass Road in Queanbeyan. And so we used to, you know, on one day we'd drive up to Sydney and back. The other day we'd go down the coast and back. We'd go down to Wagga and back, the snowy mountains, all this sort of stuff. And one time um, I was doing the run to Wagga, um, to Wagga and back. And as I'm coming past Tumit and I'm coming up the hill, I see this alien... Right, on the side, 100% alien, on the side of the road, <clears throat> just, just past the rail. You know how there's like the rail on the side to stop you driving into a ditch? Yes. So just past that, and it's got to be it's got to be 150 metres away as I'm driving up. And it looks like, you guys have seen the Predator movie, right? Yes. Yeah. And you know how the Predator's got those dreadlock things? So it looks like a it's got... like your birthday present. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So and it looks like it's got dreadlocks. It looks like it's got a a mantis type head and it's got like praying mantis arms and it's sort of it's just sort of swaying like this right dude what were you smoking no no (laughs) trust me trust me and I come closer and I actually start pulling over because I'd been driving it'd been a huge day and I'd been driving and so I wasn't rationally thinking too well and I start pulling over because I think if I can wrestle this alien, <laughs> right, and chuck him in the back of my freezer truck, for life. They'll, they'll call me Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, yeah, but but you know, someone the CSIRO is going to pay for for an alien, aren't they? Either way, we're going to get rich, right? And um, but then as I came closer, it wasn't an alien at all. What it was was someone that had either thrown a bag of garbage or it had come off a truck or something and it was a plastic bag of garbage which had torn open and videotape was hanging out oh, of the back and it was sitting on this tree yeah and it was sitting on this tree and it was just from a distance looked so much like an alien but it wasn't oh. Oh. Okay. so so I didn't get to wrestle it I didn't get to give it to the government and gee, make any money gee, that story was a bit of a letdown yeah. <laughs> well, and I thought it was an alien but it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> but that's, right along but that's the thing like, like I said on that the tour we did um, a couple of weeks ago now I'm open to this stuff I really like this stuff but I've never experienced I'm not an experiencer 
You know what I mean? And like that was just from sleep deprivation. I thought I saw something, but I didn't. So, um, well, I think you'd find with most of the people on the tour, there's always that sense of, um, you know, there's a there's a merry mix sort of bunch. You know, there's the type who come on who are just here simply for the history or whatnot. You know, they, they don't care about the ghost. They're not interested. They don't believe in it. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the others who are really open to it. You know, and come along and they really want to see something. Mm-hmm. And you know, they really try and put themselves out there sometimes you know it can um it can come off a little dramatic you know yeah. you got people rushing up to you every five minutes oh i got this ghost to swear yeah. it's just some tree branches yeah. like, oh yeah that, that's good but yeah it's not too bad you, the ones who are enthusiastic mm. usually make it a good night yeah, you know? it yeah. makes it enjoyable so well see and, and that's the thing about me like we were raised in the pentecostal Pentecostal church um, over on High Street here. And, you know, everyone was being touched by the Holy Spirit and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But, again, I, no matter how hard I try, I you just never, Jesus just never touched me. I was like, come on, Jesus. You his type. Equal, equal opportunity. Come on. So, you know, our parents were in town today. Yeah. And that's what my mum said. I said, oh, we're going down to the graveyard to do a <laughs> podcast and that. And she's like, do you remember when you were about five or six years old when we used to live out in Everett or somewhere? Yeah. They'd still drive past this graveyard to go to their church. Right. And they said, we're driving past the graveyard one day. And you're like, what's that place there for all the little statues and that? And they're like, that's the graveyard. That's where people go when they die. And I'm like, ah, oh, so that's heaven. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, man, heaven blows. <laughs> <laughs> well, the amazing thing is, of course, that it's like that crossover between religion and the supernatural. It's like, obviously, there's supernatural elements to it. And, and when you look back into the history of um, death and the human preoccupation with it yeah. it's fascinating stuff it's like the um, customs that we have in modern funerals today so many of them have their origins in superstitious practices started hundreds of years ago yeah, yeah. I mean that's even uh, headstones they were actually initially when they were used back in the middle ages were intended to keep the spirit of the dead below the ground that's why they were were made as they were big heavy objects to keep the spirit of the dead below the ground so it always like just from an historic point of view and the religious crossover it's very interesting stuff so they were genuinely scared were were they scared that people would was it a fear thing yeah in the middle ages it was absolutely fear in the victorian period it changed but in the middle ages it was definitely fear that kept them so even things like gargoyles on churches were actually put in place in order to scare away demons and ghouls and it was this encouragement of the people of of that era that um, come into the church and you'll be safe whereas we've got these gargoyles keeping the demons and the ghouls um, (laughs) away the bad spirits away but will protect you by the time it got to the victorian period um, in the 1800s it changed then and people were very it was very very common to believe in the supernatural Um, spiritualism was big at that time and in fact one of our early prime ministers alfred deacon was a spiritualist and that's not a very widely known fact Um, but it was common and um, ouija boards for example they were like a dime a dozen yeah, back right. in the in the late Victorian period, so they had strong superstitious beliefs. Things like um, stopping clocks at the hour of death, yeah, and yeah. covering mirrors in order that uh, the spirit couldn't be trapped in the looking glass, and that wasn't none of that was unusual for that period. People just believed in it as an everyday occurrence. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, and then we sort of moved into you know the 1900s and became more material. 
perhaps and rational and logic yeah. and they all sort of took over scientific science. thought yeah. um, and so all of these these sorts of things but when you delve back into it even if only for the historic point of view if you're not interested in the ghost the history of it is yeah. fascinating yeah. stuff yeah. even then uh, you say that you can just see the comparison now that you know, you have back then you have all these superstitious practices and you know these days it'll be 8 30 at night mum will just walk into my room and you know just ask me to pop down the local cemetery to set up a couple candles on my own in the freezing cold as if I'm just yeah. going to get some milk or something. You know? I'll just pop down, you'll be right, darling. Okay. Take the cemetery in the middle of the night. You always say that you've uh, never had your own experience, so... Yeah, yeah still looking. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. Like, like So, when, yeah, when we kick over... Not when we kick over, when someone kicks over a tombstone... Right, we're not going to do that. No, 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 no. no I don't do that. that. No, look, even when as a teenager, when we used to sneak up here and drink, we never, never do anything bad. No, we were always respectful, no. and we wouldn't even. It's not even like we'd leave bottles and shit. No. Like I, I think again, that probably comes from being scared of going to hell, <laughs> um, <laughs> being brought up Good with the hear. terror Good of hell. So we never. But so if someone w- kicks over a tombstone, right? Well, will the will the spirit be pissed off? Or will he go, yeah, I'm free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or will it go, you've done me a favour. Yeah, well, there is, another, there is another superstition that uh, whatever a, a, a gravestone is uh, or, or a gravesite is disturbed or if the wording is incorrect on a tombstone, so whatever it's not correct for their final resting place, the spirit will remain restless. Nice. And interesting, the first tombstone erected in this graveyard, the Riverside Cemetery, belonged to... There's bats freaking you out. Yeah, I just heard a ghost. That's all. <laughs> the rest of the spirit says... <laughs> yeah. um, belonged to a woman um, who died in 1847, a woman by the name of Anne Powell. And fascinatingly, for those who don't live in Queenbeyan, you probably expect that the spelling would be the royal way, Q U E. N, but of course it's not. It's Q-U-E-A-N-B-E-Y-A-N. Yep. But the first tombstone in this cemetery actually has Queen being spelt the royal way. Oh. And after, you know, 147-odd years, that's never been altered. So if that superstition holds true, then poor old Anne could very well be roaming these parts oh. waiting for us to be here unawares. Yeah, waiting for some Straight buried dickheads. on this night yeah. that long ago. <laughs> waiting for some assholes to come in here and do a podcast. And, uh, <laughs> Horror movie starts. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> As we keep looking over our yeah, shoulder, yeah. it's... Uh... Where are those bats again? <laughs> so so we're, we're set up here underneath a, a big old... Um, cypress pine, and cy- cypress pines, are, of course, are also a symbol of death. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why you find them generally in cemeteries or avenues leading to cemeteries. So, and I... Okay, no, that's that's cool, right? Because you, you did explain... Um, that when we did your tour, yes. now and, that, and that's sort of why I wanted to do it in this particular spot because you actually had a pretty good story about this tree. It's got a fence around it, and there's a, a pretty big like would you call that a tombstone? What do you call? That's a vault, in, a vault. inside that uh, yeah. in that particular fence area, and of course a vault belongs to you know generally when it's a, a family or a, or a wider a group of relatives. Okay. that uh, a vault is generally so. For. Nathan here doesn't know the story. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us who's there, who's not there, what the story is? Okay, so directly behind us mm-hmm. is the grave area, the family vault of John James Wright, who was Queenbeyan's very first mayor yep. 
appointed in 1885. And pretty interesting chap, he came to the age, uh, sorry, he came to Queen at the age of 21. And legend has it that when he arrived, he wasn't only penniless, but he was shoeless as well. But within 15 years, he'd become one of the richest men in the entire district. Nice. So he became mayor and was mayor for quite some time, but uh, in the end, he eventually went mad and spent his remaining days sitting on his balcony sporting a rifle and chasing off any pedestrians who dared venture come near the place. Awesome. So interestingly, he's buried here, but for some unknown reason, certainly not explained in any of the history books or references that I can find, his name never appeared on the gravestone itself. So there okay. are other members of his family there, including his son. Not his wife. She divorced him. She eventually had enough of him, which is pretty remarkable sort of, you know, back in 1890s. Back yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but I mean, she... how, how, much, how much can you take of your husband with a shotgun on the lawn <laughs> chasing school kids or whatever? You know what I mean? So, yeah, understandable. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so a so few other members of, of the family are, are buried there as well, but his name doesn't appear on the tombstone. Mm. Also, I think I said on the night it could be like Elvis, you know, Maybe he never died. Yep. Uh, or maybe it was a conspiracy theory and they said that he died, but he hadn't really. But it's Ma pretty... It's like it, it's not sort of disputed that this yeah. is actually his burial place, yeah, but like there's no... Nice. But there's no, yeah, no known reason as to why why his name wasn't on the gravestone itself. So would that yeah, be another awesome. candidate for getting the gravestone wrong? And so now he's, he's, he's pissed and wandering around as Maybe well. Maybe so. It's like, and he could still be, you know, carrying around that shotgun. Oh, oh we have got some teenagers sitting here. Oh. <laughs> Ghost shotguns even more terrifying than regular shotguns. I think. Scout the horizon for silhouettes. Look at that red light down there. That's. 100% aliens. Unusual. <laughs> ah, now it's gone. 100% ghosts. Both. Ghosts, aliens, and yeah. Okay, so Naif. Yo. You said you didn't have experiences, but you had unexplainable something or other. Unexplainable experiences. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, just weird shit. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hit us with some weird shit. Um... Right, what do we got? When we lived in Queensland. No, uh, I, I never lived in Queensland, right? No, we, I did. Just, just for the listeners and, and for Nicole and Alex, we, we're basically uh, Oaks Estate born and bred. Okay. We've here most of our lives. Um, moved one, away a few times. Well, I, I, moved, I moved to Sydney for three years then came back. Um, but then, see, so what happened, my sister moved up to Brisbane area and then my other sister moved up there. Then my mum and dad moved up there. Then Nathan moved up there. And they're all like, Tim, when are you coming up here? And I'm like, it's too damn hot, man. I'm not going up there. But then, you know... Um, I come back. Nathan come back. My sister's come back. Parents are coming back soon. Parents are coming back soon. But so, um, yeah, when Nathan says we lived in Queensland, I never lived there. Um, <laughs> Me and my family. So how you lived there, what, 10 years or something? Yeah, I lived up there for about six years, moved back down here, then got work up there again, went back up there for about yeah. five more years, then come back down here again. Okay, so sorry to interrupt. So the While first time we lived in up Queensland, there, we worked at the cinemas. And coming home one night, it was probably about 1am. Right. I was driving up the hill towards where we lived, and I thought I saw someone standing at the top of the hill. And when I got to the top of the hill, they were gone. And this happened probably three nights, not in a row, but over the course of about a month, that I'd drive up there, I thought I saw someone, got that, no, no one's there. And about after the third time, I said to my missus in the morning, I was like, just down from the road, roundabout, about 50 metres down, I keep thinking I see someone standing there, but I think they're running into the bushes. I don't know what they're doing out there at night or whatever. And she goes, oh, what, near the 
you know, they've got the flowers on the side of the road for people who have been murdered. Yeah, like, not well, murdered, but died in People had car, accidents, car accidents, and so they and have She says, oh, what, near the little thing of flowers? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she took me down there. There's a little thing of flowers there on the road. And I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. So I don't know if it's related or not, because I'm, I'm open to it, but I'm sceptical. Like, I'm going, well, it could just be late at night. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm seeing things. But I thought it was just a funny coincidence but that it was right there. But if it's a couple times in that same location... Um, yeah, and the same thing, second the same time, time. Second time we moved up to Queensland, we're living in a new area. We were the first people in the whole area. They had, like, all these houses going up, but we were the first ones there. And each time I was in the laundry doing the washing and that, not each time, but probably a good 10, 12 times, I'd see in the corner of my eye a kid standing just outside in the backyard, and I always thought it was my little two-year-old daughter. So I'd turn to go, what are you doing out there? And there was no one there. And that was, like, a regular occurrence, like, 10, 12 times, and I thought I saw this little kid, about a two-year-old, but you turn and nothing there. And so you never found out, you know, whether there was any... I tried to look into it, that, uh... but I didn't know how to, like, look into the area properly. Mm. And like I said, it was a new development area, so I don't know sort of how you find out what the history is of it and that. Um, and then about three nights ago now, just here up near my place in Benithen... <laughs> no, it wasn't even night, it was daytime. And I was going to pick up the kids from school, and I got coming into the car, and I just checked the mailbox, and as I was checking the mailbox, I looked up the road, because I normally just look up and down to see what's going on. And I thought I saw this little girl in a nighty standing out near a house, like about two, three houses away from me, just standing right near the road. And I've looked and I've gone in the mailbox and I was like, hang on a sec, what the hell is she doing close to the road? There's no parents around. And I look back and there's no one there. I was like, oh. I don't know if I imagined it or she ran inside, but I mean, to look in your mailbox and go, hang on, and look back to run from like from here to past those graves there. Yeah, yeah. She's got to be a fast kid. Well, I think our psychic who joins us on our tours fairly regularly would probably say that you perhaps have someone attached to you there Nath. Yeah. That's the, generally they're the sorts of things that uh, sheep was out. I don't, I don't know about uh, <laughs> In quotation marks he says <laughs> those, yeah. those things but I think yeah. that's what she'd say whereas what we do on the tours and uh, when we're sort of moving around and, and when Tim's talking about the true stories because of course I've spent years researching the history of Queenie and and the region so what I like to do is and you know everybody loves a good yarn but I like to have some basis to it so if somebody comes along so if you came along and and if that happened to you in Queenie in a particular address or house or location what I'd attempt to do then is to go and find out whether there could be any historic reason that might sort of back that story up. So, yep. again, it's not a matter of saying whether or not there was a ghost, uh, but it is interesting yeah. how many times people will do what you said. Yep. And, you know, there'll be a particular area, and I'm able to then source some information that says, well, actually, yep, definitely somebody did die here, or there was something right. horrible that happened there. Yep. And uh, so <clears throat> I just provide that historic basis to it all and then allow people to make up their own minds on on whether or not but um, it is an interesting way to do it as well that sort of provides that some sort of verification to say it's like well there there is an historical basis to it at the very least yeah yeah well that was like um was it last last Halloween when you did uh, ha- the haunted house yep. thing? You know, which was, which was a look. It was it was a great novelty and it was fun and we expected people to be dressed up as monsters and zombies and ghosts and whatever. But then, the, what I really loved that you brought to it again was the historical accuracy of it and saying, you know pretending like the people who went into the house were like we were in a chain gang and first thing we, we, we saw um, Tim overall, Nicole's husband and he's this judge who's you know, sentencing 
convicts and all this shit. Nice. And, you know, and, and you go through the house and you, there's this mad, um, for lack of a better word, a mad scientist who's, you know, torturing and killing yeah. his patients and stuff. But it was all historical stories from this area nice. and yeah. stuff. So, it, which really added something to it as opposed to just going in having, having someone jump out of the darkness scares. and scream that's at you that's, that's it sort of thing yeah. you know so. and we did the same when we did uh, the ghost train so we, we did the ghost train a couple of times and of course unfortunately the the museum's now gone broke so the ghost train has become a ghost but it was the same thing it was the whole idea of you know a train at night and spooky stuff happening on it but the story that unfolded was a true story based on a, a local murder and uh, whether or not some people claim to have seen the ghost of the murderess. She she actually stabbed her husband to death. So the ghost train was based on that story, which took me about six months, unfortunately, to, you know, put together for a, a couple of, of trains, which were fantastic fun and now will be no more. But, yeah, people really like to know that there is some sort of, you know, basis to it. Anybody can come along and say, well, you know, yeah, look, I, I saw a ghost over behind right. that tombstone. But if you can say, well, actually, you know, and there are suicide victim was buried in nice. that particular position and stuff. Yeah, especially when you got some arsehole saying I was driving a truck and I saw this alien <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't an alien. alien. <laughs> exactly. Son of a bitch. Um, so yeah, it is It is good to know that you know, the historical stuff that has happened, you know, um, to, to uh, maybe or maybe not back up what people have seen. Makes it a bit more real. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and then afterwards, I mean, I won't say my friend's name, but after we went on that ghost tour the other week, mm. um, I was talking to my friend and she was talking about how her daughter is very sensitive to things like that. Mm. And she's had to, um, what do you call it, when someone comes to the house and gets rid of the spirits. Exorcism. Exorcism. Not quite that. There's a nicer word the for it. <laughs> There's a nicer word for it. Um, ghost shoes. Yes, <laughs> something like that. White fiendom. I can't oh, think what the out. word is. My friend's going to listen to this and go, you idiot. Um, I do that every week. It's a nicer word for it. It's not like a full-on exorcism. Cleansing. Something like that. Car coming around. Car's coming around. Or is it a ghost car? No. Dun, dun, dun. You never know. It's like they're coming to check out what's going on down there. And uh... Okay, so um, apart from having a... Uh, what's the word... Um, you know, researching all these things. Have you seen or experienced paranormal? I think Alex might um, mm. tell a story or two here now. Uh, well, I'd say, I mean, I haven't necessarily, personally, ever experienced anything to a, you know, serious enough to degree to report it. You know, whatever I experienced or whatever, it was always explainable. You know, yeah. there was always something that could have said, no, nah, it was this or it was that. But there's been a um, couple a couple times where my uh, my brother Nick, um, who usually helps out in the tours and stuff like that as well, um, and he's had a couple times where we've been in completely random places. You know, there was one time where it was here, and he, he says that yeah, he stands in the same position when Mum tells the stories just yep. down there yep. in the Christian part is it in the catholic section section. yeah and so he says he um stands in the exact same place every time you know listens to the stories and he'll give his spiel or you know whatever might happen and one time he he reported he told us all straight away basically as soon as we started moving that um when mum was mid telling one of the stories he felt what he thought was something you know grabbing on the ankle like really harshly so much so they turned around and he thought it might have been you know myself behind him grabbing and trying to scare him 
But he turned around, saw absolutely nothing, looked back. I was standing next to mum about to give my, you know, part in the tour. And then, yeah, you know, he was very kind of destroyed. He didn't, yeah, he didn't quite have a full grasp on everything. I guess you could say for, you know, a certain period of time afterwards, he was just so all over the shop. And then there was another time, you know, and Nick's a very kind of honest bloke, you know. He's not one to lie. He's not one to exaggerate or be dramatic or anything like that. But there was this other time when we were younger and we were up in um, Sydney and we were in... um, this is when me and Nick were quite young. So Nick's two years older than me, so he would have been about 12 yeah, at the time. 12. So, yeah, I would have been 10. And we were up in this really high apartment kind of thing with this good view. And as kids, um, Nick and I used to really like going out and staring out the windows and looking around and stuff. And so this particular night, myself and Nick were sleeping on these two sofas down in the living room and Mum and Dad were in the upstairs bit in the bedroom. And... So apparently Nick wakes up, middle of the night, doesn't know what from or anything, and he looks over to me and he says he saw a shadow of of what looked to be myself sitting on the edge of the sofa facing away from, you know, facing at the door. And so he started to say things like, Alex, Alex, what's wrong? You can talk to me. And apparently there was no response, you know, and he kept this up for about 30 seconds or whatnot before he finally walked over and, you know, it was like, Alex, come on, you can talk to me, what's up? And apparently as he went to, you know, reach over, he got up, he walked over, went over, so he reached to put his hand on my shoulder, you know, he was saying things like, come on, we'll go look out the window, we can talk there, it'll be fine. Um, he goes to reach to put his hand on my shoulder to comfort me, and as he does, he lifts his knee and puts it on the sofa where he thought I was sleeping. And as he does, he feels something and he looks down and he sees myself completely fast asleep in the bed, looks back up, apparently the figure's gone. And then in the, and the next morning he's sitting in the middle of the staircase. I've never seen him so shook up. I've never yeah. seen him so disturbed. Like, he didn't want to go and wake mum and dad up in case, you know, they told him to go back to bed or whatever, but he didn't want to go back to bed, yeah. so he just kind of sat in that middle bit of the staircase just not knowing what to do. Oh, terrifying. And so, yeah, I've been hoping, I guess you could say, for just something like that, you yeah, know, yeah. I'll come down here on my own and help set up for mum, I'll do stuff, and then, yeah, I just, nah, I haven't seen anything yet. Um, I, I'd, I'd really like to. Um, I think it would help add a certain aspect to the tour, yeah. and, you know, and presenting, you know, having that kind of side that you could talk from previous real experience and, you know, having that certain level of fear. But, yeah, nothing yet, unfortunately, so still hoping. That's it. No, that's awesome. That's that, that's awesome. Because, I mean, I'm like that too. And, and it's like... I mean, another time when I was living in Sydney and I thought I saw something and it was just a really ugly person, you know. And it's just like, God damn it, couldn't you just be... Like, How dare you? I actually thought it was like a like a, a, a Planet of the Apes, like mutant gorilla thing. And it was just a really ugly lady. Do you remember when I was going to run over that Bigfoot? You Were you in the car for me then? Yeah, that was... personality. So, and then there's the time we thought we saw Bigfoot, but we didn't. <laughs> and again, we almost ran someone over thinking it was Bigfoot, thinking we are going to be rich. Because we're crazy. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with that. And this is why aliens don't come to Queanbeyan, right? Because... <laughs> we... Well, we have but... had a few alien sightings here well, over the years. Yeah, but... come and visit the Styles Boys. The, that, yeah, because <laughs> they're just worried the Styles Boys is going to run over them and try and get rich or something. be famous. But, um... That turned out to be a, a soldier 
We thought we saw this, yeah, Bigfoot. The guy with like normal legs, like, no, not my legs, normal, <laughs> normal sized legs. Normal human legs, like not normal legs, but then this fucking torso, hobbit legs like yours. The torso looked about four foot tall. Yeah. It's this big square torso, and I was like, dude, what is that? So if we freaking clean it up, we're going to be rich. So we veered across the road, and just when the headlights have gone on it, it's like a big military backpack. You know how they have those <laughs> massive backpacks? Yeah. Oh, I'll put and back on the right side of the road. And he's jogging, and we're like, damn it. <laughs> but, um, just over in Oaks Estate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think we catch an alien, a uh, monster that get put up for manslaughter. Yeah, it's like trying to use that as an excuse to the police. I, mean, I thought it was Bigfoot. One hundred percent was Bigfoot when I hit it. It's one of them shape changing monsters, and just looks like a person now. Until you come for the windscreen, he goes, "Why?" <laughs> Thanks, Fox Mulder. <laughs> we remember that um, when we were living in Oaks Estate, you had the caravan, and we we're talking about seances and that in the caravan that night, and then the lights just dropped out on us. Yeah. Yeah, but the lights used to always drop out. I was, I was yeah, but I, didn't, I never lived in that caravan. I didn't know that. Because, yeah, so when I was about oh, 15, 16, mum and dad just got this shitty old caravan. And it's like, okay, Tim, you want your own space to play your guitar and stuff. You can live in that. So, and, and it was pretty awesome, you know, for a, for a young teenager, you know, just living in this caravan. There. But, yeah, one night we're sitting there and we're talking about, you know, Ouija boards and seances and things like that. Because I Who's had a seance and what did you experience at your seance? Yeah, like? I... I I, I sat in on a on a Ouija board uh, session one time. Um, and again, my hand wasn't on the glass or any of this sort of stuff. And they're talking, and it's like, and it was kind of weird because the ghost's name was something weird like Kirby. It's like, what the <laughs> hell? Same name as a vacuum cleaner, or, or, or Gizmo, or something <laughs> stupid, you know? Where, so I wasn't very believing in it. And we, we, we were sitting in, just sitting in the in in the, in the uh, caravan, just talking about it and stuff, and then just. The lights went out and we both just sort of froze and like, oh, Jesus. We ran inside and we're like, Dad, Giz- you turn those lights off. <laughs> Gizmo's coming. Well, it is an interesting point that you raised on our recent tour as well when, as you pointed out, you don't often see ghosts wearing, you know, Nike sneakers yeah. and uh, hoodies, do you? Yeah. <laughs> so they're always generally Victorian, uh, quite historic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there could be something in that, but... Uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll, they get changed first. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to start. Just if I see someone in a weird place, just go up and poke them and say, <laughs> "No, you're real. You're not a ghost." So, have you got like a a real unexplainable story? No, no. I, again, I, I thought I thought I saw a giant mushroom monster, <laughs> but again, that was just because I'd been driving trucks for 15 hours just and too many, too much comic yeah, books and caffeine. Yeah, too much comic books and stuff, man. Yeah. Um, I so, got one when I was doing security. Okay, hit us. Um, hit us. The Narrabunda High School. My first job at security. Okay, yep. Doing patrols at night in the school holidays, making sure kids don't come and graffiti the place and cause trouble and that. And we're walking around. No, not we. We sort of do a... You've got two people on duty, and one stays in the courtyard, the quadrangle or whatever, and the other one will do the patrols. And then after an hour or whatever, you swap places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm doing my patrols, and as I'm walking through, I start to hear this sort of... <laughs> pulsating noise. It sounded like it was coming above, above me. And I'm looking up going, is that like a swarm of bees or something? And it's night time, so you can't see much. I'm like, oh, well, I can't see anything. And as I'm walking, it's getting louder and louder. And then as the pulsating, I start feeling air on the back of my neck, moving like with the pulsating. And I'm like, if it's a swarm of bees or something, it's right there. If it's aliens, they're about to beam me up. <laughs> so I've just legged it, just ran like halfway around the thing and then slowed down and listened and stopped. And like, all right, it's gone. Then didn't happen again after that. I wasn't going to tell my bosses because you end up getting fired or yeah. something if you go, man, Especially. I think aliens nearly got me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, know, I know we went through all the security tests to uh, to get me into ASIO, but now... Uh, <laughs> you know, all the psych tests of that, but... 
Actually, I, I, I've got one unexplained story, right, which was an unidentified flying object. Now, not in the sense of a flying saucer or spaceship. I was at work. I, I work in um, Carolyn Chisholm Centre in Tuggeranong. And um, I used to work on the fourth floor, and I was looking out the window uh, south, right, so looking towards uh, the hills going towards Kuma. And I could see this tiny little speck, right, and, and, and it was just floating, like, straight up, and I'm trying to focus on it. And now, it was obviously miles and miles away. But if I was to tell you what I thought it looked like at the time, it looked like a person in a sitting position, Okay. And I'm watching it, and it sort of went up, and then it sort of dipped down a bit, and it went back up, and it started just going across, and then then disappeared. And I was like, at the time, I know, was it Dick Smith used to have a property down there somewhere, and I thought he's experimenting with a one-man helicopter or something, or like oh, like a jetpack, yeah, or, you know, yeah, or drones or something, yeah, yeah. And, and so, and I, 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 I hit you know Twitter and Facebook, and I was like, does anyone know anything what's happening down, you know, between Canberra and Cooma? You know, I saw this thing, and no one, there was nothing in the news, no one ever said anything. But I, 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 I'm just convinced that what it was was just some rich dude. In some sort of one-man helicopter thing that like was just Michael flying. Jackson in the jetpack or something. Yeah, just around. yeah. Some some rich dude with nothing better to do. And, and saying that, that uh, when I mentioned earlier, and, and when you're talking about UFOs, which of course they are just unidentified flying yeah. objects, yeah. not nece- necessarily extraterrestrial, yeah. but uh, there have been over the years any number of sightings in sort of the Queanbeyan and Canberra region, and there was a particular spate of them in the 1950s. Right. What was that? Jingle jangle. That that was definitely one hundred percent the jingle jangle of a thousand lost souls. <laughs> I was thinking like chains, man. Yeah, that's what it I mean. Definitely chains. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's no chains in that gate before. Do they just lock us in. Um, no, the gates don't get locked <laughs> until tonight. Okay. Until tonight. <laughs> Nicole, keep telling us the story. Okay, I'm just so going to this way. We're going to listen to that. Exactly. I'll get a look you, this you way guys a little bit. The watch, please. <laughs> um, yeah. So the 1950s, there was a particular spate, and these were uh, not only reported in the press, but they were actually reported as being seen by some very prominent townsfolk, including some of the local councillors of the time. And then in between July and August 1954, I think was the year, there was something like six unexplained sightings of a flying object between Captain's Flat here and Goulburn, uh, all reported. Um, and again, that are sort of there on the, you know, they all get investigated by the RAAF. Right. And they are still, and you can find them online if you if you search well enough, you can actually find them. They're all still listed as unidentified uh-huh. flying objects. Whatever they were, wasn't able to be proven. And then in the 70s, there was another couple of cases. I think uh, it was 1976, I think it was, that... Um, there were 20, so the report goes, there were 20 eyewitnesses who actually rang the radio station at 2CA to report saying what's going on with the lights sort of, you know, over the Canberra, Queanbeyan region. Um, 20 separate reports of it that, again, were issued to the RAAF for investigation. Nothing could ever be determined yep. or found or, or what it was. Um, so we've had that sort of experience in this area as well? Well, 1976 in Queanbeyan, Canberra area was 100% me coming into the world. Ah! 
<laughs> and all the lights from the heaven was welcoming it's me. Like that to Jesus light again. It's like yeah. solved. It's like that one. So that one solved. That unexplained mystery solved. Yeah, I don't know so much about the fifties. What else you got? <laughs> Reincarnation, perhaps. Ah, so yeah. we've been here before. Nice. What about yeah. that one? Yep, definitely, definitely. Okay, so okay, Nicole, I'm going to challenge you now. Oh, no. I want you to tell me the creepiest, true, or close enough to true story that you've got about Queanbeyan or, you know, whatever. It doesn't involve some dude in chains. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't involve like, a dude in chains. It hasn't happened again. That Don't invite that guy Look, either. that's one of the really fascinating things and, and about the tours is that as much as we tell stories and, and the history and some of the things that, that I know over the years that have been recorded and passed down, Every single time we do a tour, people have their own stories to tell us. And that's the other interesting thing about what you're saying here and Alex talking about Nick's things. It's pretty, pretty rare that you find people who say... I've never had an experience. Mm, What's yep. more likely is people who go, oh, yeah, well, I'm not necessarily saying it's a ghost, but something weird did happen. Yeah. And I always get to really interested when they're the people that you least expect it from. Mm. Um, so there are any number of stories. You are putting me on the spot, Tim, to try and come up with uh, one. But one I do find particularly creepy, and again, this is to give you an idea of of how I look into things and sometimes things do get uncovered that it does send a bit of a shiver down my spine I suppose so one evening we had a a tour and we were here in the cemetery we were a little bit further down so where we're sitting now sort of down to our left more in the heart of the cemetery and it's a pretty big cemetery there are almost 4,000 graves here that uh, again from the earliest from 1847 um, people are no longer permitted to be buried here unless they have a family plot Um, so there are still a couple of spaces for family plots it's only open to that Um, but down in the in the central area we stop and we give everybody the opportunity to share any experiences they might have had because what better place to tell a ghost story than a cemetery in the middle of the night? Yeah, man. And we had, one evening, we had this young fellow with us and he told us that uh, uh, one night he'd finished work. He was working at the Leagues Club, finished up at about midnight and just for a spot of fun, you know, as you do, he and a friend decided to come down here to the cemetery. They were walking around waiting for sort of something to happen. Nothing had happened. As they were leaving, they claimed that they'd sort of turned around there. Their attention was caught by something. They turned around, so they were heading back up the road, which is, again, to the right of us, explaining to listeners, is the exit of the cemetery. Something caught their eye. They turned back towards the the back part of the cemetery where the Queanbeyan River runs down the bottom there. There's also a fence line. And they thought they saw... A figure, yeah. And they sort of they said that they took a few steps closer because they couldn't really tell, and they were wondering, you know, whether sort of somebody had sprung them in the cemetery and, and was following them. And they said that as they took a few steps towards it, allegedly, this figure took a few steps towards them. <laughs> and so they started to get a little bit freaked out yeah. at the very worst, thinking, oh, well, if it's you know somebody here and it's all a bit strange. So they started to move on, and as they were moving on, they said that they were they looked back, and they had progressed but then so had this figure this figure seemed to have gotten closer than they said they looked one more time it seemed to be right there they still couldn't discern any particular feature so they couldn't say whether or not it was a person or whether it wasn't but they said that they 
you know, piss bolted out of here, and, and that was the end of that. Yeah. Good move. Now, interestingly, I do spend a bit of time down in this cemetery during the day as well because it is a fascinating source yeah. of research information. At, you know, at the very least, ghosts or not, it's like just to be able to come, you know, you find the history and the story of a town in this cemetery. Yep. So I do spend a lot of time here. And after they told me that story, um, I thought it was interesting because I'd sort of said to them, well, you know, I can't account for it. They were asking me if I had any stories about it. And I was saying, no, there's nothing that I can account for it. There are no graves over towards that fence line because, as you already mentioned, Tim, in 1974, there was a massive flood here in Queanbeyan that washed away mm. 50 feet of riverbank, taking with it up to 100 graves. Yeah. And that was the area that they were indicating. So it's pretty bare over mm. there because the graves were washed away. But I was walking around and taking a few photographs and... Lo and behold, I was over there beside that fence line, and it's and you can still find them now, but they're quite um, covered over with grasses and things. They're sort of they're not proper tombstones; they're just the small monuments mm-hmm. in the ground. And as it turned out, there are four monuments there against that fence line. But what's even more fascinating? So that sort of spun me out a little bit. Yeah. But. One of the questions I ask guests when they come here is if they notice anything in particular about the gravestones. And, of course, they all face east because, again, it's an old superstition, superstition. religion superstition of that Christians, the bodies are buried with the feet pointing eastwards in order that they can rise more easily come Judgment Day. Now, each of these graves are buried with their feet pointing south. Oh. Now... I couldn't because when I sort of go back and research, and again, like if you just sort of research details on cemeteries and their layout and why they use particular statues, that is also fascinating. Um, So I went back and did some research, and what I found was that generally the only time bodies are buried with the feet pointing south is if there's been sort of some sort of crime, um, if they're a murderer if they're a suicide, and they're also generally, back in the day, um, they were buried outside consecrated ground, which was generally indicated by the fence line um, because they weren't permitted to be to be buried you know, on, on holy land, essentially. Um, so I went back and checked these graves again, and I thought, well, that can't be right for any of them. One of them's like a child. Um, one of them's an old man. Uh, one's a woman. And I think there was a sort of, you know, a young bloke in his 20s. But none of them seemed to sort of... I could find limited information on them in the the cemetery uh, indexes that I have. Um, But none of them seemed to fit the bill of, you know, being a murderer or uh, back in the day, as it was termed, lunatic was another one. It's like because they were thought to be possessed by the devil. And the only thing I could possibly think, and this harks back to what we were talking about earlier... The only thing I can think is that the four of them must have been graves that had been disturbed by the floods. Mm. And I think the monuments must have been saved or retained or found, but those graves no longer contain the bodies. Because, of course, uh, most of the bodies that were washed away were never recovered. So that's the only thing I can think, that they're marking them as monuments, but they're actually empty and that would go back to what we talked about before that if if the grave is disturbed or their final resting place is disturbed perhaps that could account for what they saw and and really interesting there is absolutely no way even if if the guy who told me that story knew that those graves were there 
there was no way he could have known the detail about that. Yeah, no way right. that he could have known that, uh, you know, pointing south yeah. indicated yeah. something that wasn't normal. Um, that he could have known that potentially that they were washed away in the flood, potentially empty. He couldn't have known any of that extra detail for him to tell that story in that particular spot. So it's stuff like that. For me, they're the sorts of things. When people tell me stories like that, and then I can go and say, well, all I can tell you from an historical point of view is this is absolutely ridgy ditch. Yeah. <laughs> so what I've told you, whether they saw a ghost, whether they didn't, I can't say. But what I can tell you is that part of the story that I've just told you is historically absolutely accurate. Oh, nice. Now, it's cold, but that gave me a chill. <laughs> you know what I mean, man? I was like, oh, well, Jesus. That's why we look towards the fence line. Yeah, just, just a picturing in my mind this thing just coming closer to you, man. I would have booked it before those guys, man. I wouldn't have had the patience those guys had. You'll be the first to go, by yeah, the way. <laughs> definitely. I've always said in a horror movie, if, if a zombie apocalypse happens, I'm not fooling anyone, man. I'm not. Yeah, it's going to be a couple brutal weeks, and I'm done. You know, so I'm not going to be one of these. Yeah, I'm not going to be Rick Grimes and who survives the zombie apocalypse or anything, man. It's, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a healthy, you know, self-image. You're not fooling anyone. Yeah. No, that, that's no, that's really cool. So, um, what else? And there's lots of, um, you know, because of course Queenbian is also much older than people expect it to be. So, what I love is some of our most historic buildings. So, the old Benedict Convent, for example, built in 1882, and it also used to be a girls' school. And I love it without prompting anybody when you get students who used to attend the school just out of the blue, it's like if they're on a tour or if they see me in the show, they go, oh, by the way, Nicole, did you know that we all knew there was totally a ghost in that place? So they're also great stories when I get them from a number of sources yeah. that they don't know that other people have told me those yeah. stories as well. So that's always a good... And there's lots of buildings like that in Queanbeyan too. The old mill house is another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, some of the people who have told me some of the stories associated with that one are those that I would least expect... You know, older people who lived there when they were kids. Yeah. Um, great tales about, you know, doors that won't stay open and windows that do. And yeah. um, a woman who is allegedly seen there in the kitchen. And as it turned out, it's like, I'm not going to give, you know, all of my stories yeah, away. Yeah, but sure. <laughs> I did actually find out that uh, one of the maids did die there in the kitchen. Um, and again, this is the, the stuff that I find out from an historical point of view. It's things that these people couldn't know. You know, they might know the yarns and, oh, yeah, we heard somebody tell a story about a ghostly woman in that place, but they couldn't know the extent of that detail of, yes, there absolutely was a maid who, you know, in the 1890s died there in the kitchen. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. And like I said, that's what I found really fascinating about doing the ghost tour. Do you go out as far as the air disaster? No. No. So we don't because uh, we do a walking tour. That's and right. And the other thing about um, the air disaster is that it's basically all fenced off. There's no access yeah. anymore. But people talk about it. I mean, it's one of alleged to be one of the most haunted sites in this entire region. Yeah, well, that is was there, the thing because it wasn't fenced off when we were teenagers. Yeah, no, when you were younger. And, yeah, well, you do know that, uh, well, you guys were probably hanging around up there after that, but there was another murder victim whose body was dumped up there as well in the in the 1970s. I didn't know that. Yeah, and there's some suggestion, which is fascinating to know now. So she was a young dental nurse who um, was last seen at her car in Canberra, and her body was found three months later at the Air Disaster Memorial. Um, 
and it's it actually gives me a little bit yeah, of a, yeah. a chill when I tell the story because one of the ghost stories that came out over the years was allegedly a little girl who was seen up there, but yeah. no no child has ever died up there. Yeah. But a story that's not as widely known is that that dental nurse, when she was killed, she was actually pregnant. Wow. And, yeah, people don't know that. Yeah. There's also the suggestion, and, again, this is historically verifiable, that uh, Clive Small, the detective who brought Ivan Malat undone, mm -hmm. he believes that Ivan Malat may very well have been the perpetrator wow. of that crime. Because Malat was absolutely here in Queanbeyan at around that uh, time yeah. and later into the 80s as well and was well known for drinking at the top pub up on Uriara Road. Yeah. So there's links like that as well. So Yeah, because that was the thing, being, being teenagers, we, we, would, we used to drive up there. Yeah. And, like, my older sister would tell us, you know, oh, you know, as we were driving, the door handles on the outside, it was like someone was trying to get in and, you know, we saw, you know... They, 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 the nurse thing. The nurse, you know, yeah. The nurse we saw, we the, saw the nurse. The category and that was the other interesting thing because for years people said, you know, that the nurse story's been around for a long time and people were saying, well, there was no, no nurse. In the Air Disaster Memorial, they were all men who died, yeah, you know, so yeah. part of the the uh, men's, uh, the, the cabinet. And um, th there, was no, there were no women, so there was no nurses, there were no sisters. But then, of course, it came out that... Um, the woman who was killed was a dental nurse. Yeah. So, you know, not a nurse nurse, but she was a dental nurse. Yeah. I remember telling Tanya's stories at school. Yeah. Anybody any stories or whatever? I'm like, i got a, I got a story that'll scare you. <laughs> like, we all scary stories. So, now listen to this. And I told them, the teacher's like, that didn't happen. Said, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. She goes, I think your sister's lied to you. I'm like, bullshit, my sister doesn't lie to me. <laughs> Fighting with the teacher. Year five. <laughs> My father's a minister. She doesn't lie. That's right. <laughs> she won't go to heaven. <laughs> we're, we're Christians, damn it. Um, but, yeah, so now it's locked off. You can't yeah, uh, You yeah. can't access it anymore. And uh, I've been on because, of course, you know, Tim the Yowie man, he, not all of his tours, but he sort of still goes up there. Um, and so I've been up there with him. And I must say, it's like they keep the bus lights on and things. They they do better to turn it off when you think about just how dark and, mm -hmm. you know, on a moonless night. It's, yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, because that's Get the thing, about. for people who don't know, it's just, it's, it's off the highway, it's it's yep. in the bush. In the bush, you up know, the sort so. of top of a hill. Yeah. And yeah, for like, and going back to that story, so that was actually in 1940, there was um, a plane coming in with all of these um, ministers and staff, and uh, to this day... Political ministers, sure not, it, not preachers, yeah, political not preachers, ministers. exactly, it's like, you know, Canberra, Canberra men. Yeah, it's all and, the same. Uh, <laughs> They still can't explain precisely what happened, but uh, the plane eventually banked, dived, crashed, and you know erupted in a fiery ball of flame, yeah. and they all met their end there. So, what was the plane? Uh, I don't know. I've got the book at home. A DC something. How many is that? Hold? Huh? How many is that hold? Uh, I don't know, but I don't think it was full. So it's like, but there was, so there were only ten on it. Um, but it would have been a bigger plane than yeah. It would have been a bigger plane than that. But they were specifically bringing them back to Canberra. So um, yeah, and but then the ghost stories didn't start until well after that. Other ones, people say that they have the sensation of heat there, and yeah. um, so lots, lots. Uh, the old uh, old Parliament House is also said to be haunted. So yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. The security guards, in particular. Uh, always tell you 
you know. And here's another, again, it's not that it's uh, unexplained, but to me it's certainly freaky. Yeah. Um, Tim, my husband and I, we went and did, so they did uh, historic tours where you got to go and see parts of old Parliament House that you didn't normally get to see. And I was sort of interested in hearing the untold and the unknown and unexplained yeah. stories. So they didn't really do that. So when we got to the end, I asked the guide and I said, oh, you know, what about the, the ghost stories? Oh, well, you need to come and speak with our security guard who's, whose name I won't give. But we went to speak to him and he knew who we were. It's like I sort of had known Tim and, yes, I know, you know, you do the tours and things. And he started talking about his own experience which was really very sad because it related to his sister, who he was quite open about, and she'd been murdered. And a week after she'd been murdered, um, he had gone home and thought that he had seen her standing at a window. And so that was his story. And something had happened. He'd sort of given a few indications, and it a few things clicked for me and then I asked him a few questions and I realised that literally just the week before completely randomly I had been researching the death of his sister <sighs> because the last time she was seen was at the ba alive was at the back of the tourist hotel in Queenbeam mm -hmm. and then again she disappeared and was found a week later in the Talaganda State Forest, dead. Wow. And it was literally the week before that I'd been sort of looking into other things. That And I asked him, and again, I won't say a name because I yeah. don't sort of like to sensationalise these yeah. things yeah. either. Yeah. But I asked him and I said, is this your sister? And he said, yeah, you know, how did you know? Because she ha had been killed in 1989. So he was completely astounded that I knew her mm. story. But then I was completely astounded that he, completely randomly, a week later, yeah. would be telling me <laughs> the story of his sister wow. that I'd been researching. And that also sort of comes into the the fact that it is still such a small place, you mm. know, that yeah. people are still here. And that's why I do try to be very delicate and diplomatic mm. about it, because you're often still, you're dealing with living living memory. It's like mm. this is still within people's living memory, yeah, yeah. a lot of these things that happen. So you do need to be tactful and mindful of that mm, sort yeah. of information. But yeah, stuff like that that's not necessarily unexplained but it is freaky. Yeah, yeah. I hear a lot of um, prisons are haunted too. Yep. Yeah. Um, I worked in a prison in Queensland for about three years and one of my first times doing the night patrols, go to the youth one and they go, oh, there's a story there's a ghost coming through here and they're telling us that sort of the, the youth centre is haunted and they go if you go up to that empty cell there sometimes you'll see like a face looking through to you you go look in the cell there's no one in there and you got to do the head count they go alright you go check them and said nah fuck that I'm going upstairs <laughs> yeah. and you sort of bitch you go check the bottom floor said, if that's true I don't want to be come front to face to face of a ghost on my first night shift yeah, that's right prisons of course old hospitals mm. because again mm. when you sort of hark back to it and, and those sort of in the paranormal world suggest that it's experiences of great tragedy or heightened emotion mm, yeah. that allegedly um, trap the spirit well, in the land of the living. Prison in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, look, we've been going for an hour. Wow. It doesn't even feel like it, but no. this has been great. We're going to wrap it up there. Um, so, Nicole, just real quick, I want you to plug your book. Tell us about your book. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put a, a link in, the, in our show notes so that if you want to um, you know, buy Nicole's book and uh, learn more about our 
beautiful and creepy as hell hometown <laughs> um, you know, you, where you can buy the book. So, so hit us with some info on your book. Okay, so it's uh, Queen Bee and City of Champions, and it's basically a uh, social overview. It's not a heavy history textbook or anything like that. It's a coffee table book, beautiful photos, um, and an overview of Queen Bee's 175 years of history. And yes, absolutely, there is a very popular chapter, as it turned out, which is how the tours came about, called Myths, Mysteries and Legends, yes. where we touch on some of this stuff. And it, yeah, it was from that, uh, from that chapter, people saying to me, oh, do you have more stories? It's so interesting. <laughs> but the book took me five years to research and write. So obviously, I had heaps more stories. And that's how the tours evolved. Yep. And, yep, we have a, a website, Queen City of Champions website. You can find it online. And, and uh, if you've got any tales to tell of this place or any stories that you happen to know that there's an association, please feel free to reach out and send them through. Yeah, sweet. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us on this freezing <laughs> evening where some idiot thought it would be a great idea to sit outside and do it Um, but yeah thank you very much Nicole and Alex Uh, really appreciate really appreciate you guys uh, taking time to to chat with us and shoot some shit it's been great fun particularly that you know scary noise over the fence yeah Yeah, I think I'm going to walk the long way back to the car after this (laughs) yeah through the river yeah (laughs) back across the railway down past that other ghost oh Jesus Um, so yeah guys thanks for listening um you can hit us up and subscribe to our uh, to the podcast on iTunes, or you can just stream straight from the website. Again, all the links will be in the show notes. And uh, well, thanks for listening, guys, and be nice to each other.